Spotlight. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Pastor Mai, it's Sarah Hendy here with you until just after half past six this evening. Tonight we'll be hearing from two of the stars from Blackadder, which takes to the stage tomorrow night. And we also speak to a very talented young 10-year-old who's written some beautiful music for the Freethinkers Remembrance Service this weekend. Don't forget, we podcast every episode of the programme, so if you do happen to miss anything at all this evening, you'll find it all at manxradio.com. First this evening, we speak to Beth Espy and Howard Kane, who both star in Blackadder, which takes to the Gaiety Theatre stage tomorrow evening. It couldn't really escape my notice that five Manx radio people are in Blackadder, which starts tomorrow night. Yeah, is it five? Yeah, it's half the station. Yeah, you got Mark Tiley, Jenny Quirk, Howard Kane, Chris Kane, Beth Espy, six, Alex Brindley. Alex Brindley. Any advance on six. A little involved, yeah. (laughs) It's, it's true, and I, and I think it's because over the years Alex has been instrumental in bringing these TV dramas or TV comedies, I suppose, to, to the stage. And it's it's not an easy thing to do because an awful lot of these, and the Black Adders, for example, this is our third Black Adder we've done. We started off doing Black Adder Goes Forth, set in the in the trenches in World War One. We followed that up a few years later with the Black Adder the at the um, second one, isn't it? Wasn't it? Which was the Elizabethan period that's right uh, and then there's this one which is a mixture of the regency period with the one of special they did based on the christmas carol with the sort of twist on that and these have never to the best of my knowledge actually been available as stage plays it is purely a case of we've had special permission from uh, richard curtis and ben elton to actually adapt them for the stage which really means that i think alex has transcribed them all tweaked them where it needs be uh, and then we've brought them to the gaiety stage as, as best we can why well, so, so this is an isle of man exclusive really yeah. I think you could call it that. And what's great about productions of this nature, and we have done a few well-known television series over the years, is that you get the die-hard fans who come along and watch it, and they know it word for word. So no pressure, H. No. Um, but it's incredible, isn't it? And I think we all do that with a favourite TV series or something. We we can preempt uh, the gags and whatever as you go along. Um, and that's what makes them so special and what makes them really heartwarming. It is. And I think the strange thing, which for me, I, it never ceases to amaze me, is that weird thing about humour and human nature and just how humour works. And I don't know if I can answer that question having posed it. But the strange thing is the way that if you hear a favourite joke, you can laugh again. So even though something you might have heard 10 times, so you, you would think, therefore, it would no longer be funny because you've seen it or heard it or done whatever several times before. But no, I mean, as Beth was saying, half the audience, if not more, will have seen the TV shows. Some of them might have seen them dozens of times, quite literally on repeats or YouTube, whatever the case may be. They'll come along and yes, all right, it's going to be slightly different because it's being done on stage. But the script and the gags and the storyline is identical to what they've seen on TV. And yet, I can guarantee, unless we do something horribly wrong, they will still laugh, even though they'll know exactly what's coming. But I suppose part of it is the joy of watching people bring these well-loved characters to life before their eyes. And um, Edmund, he's got quite 
quite a different temperament in the the Christmas Carol version, hasn't he? Yeah, and I think the Christmas Carol one, it's it's quite the opposite, isn't it? They, he he plays the whole thing in reverse, as it as it were. So instead of having the the Scrooge character who starts off as obviously really miserable and and not interested and not interested with friends and then turning out to be a nice guy, of course it's flipping the whole thing on its head. So for once, and I think in the own the only time in the entire Blackadder canon. He starts off as Mr. Nice Guy. He's the guy who is really cheery and chirpy and happy and nothing's too much trouble uh, to the extent that he perhaps is being taken advantage of because he is more than happy to help anyone with anything and pretty much give everything that he owns away to help out others, leaving himself with virtually nothing other than a great feeling of goodwill. And it plays on this whole idea of, yes, and I'm sure we might know people like that ourselves who say, oh, that's all right. Oh, no, no, you can take that. Oh, it's okay. And, yeah, you, you can give everything away. You can give all your time to someone else and leave yourself with nothing. And, and he then sort of, when the Christmas ghost comes along and shows him visions of the future and the past about how he'd been bad in the past, and then he starts thinking, oh, goodness me, so if I'm bad, that's what happens. And obviously we've got, the great privilege of being able to watch these series on television and try and emulate those characters as much as possible. But I really do think it's down to Alex's skill as a director. He just is able to pick the right people for the right role. I'm not completely convinced I'm Queenie, but, you know, we'll, we'll let yeah. that one pass. I'm not sure. Um, but he really, he does have that skill and he just has that vision. And um, I guess that's the thing, isn't it? Being a director, you have to have that, that oversight. It's not as easy as just reading the lines and reciting them there has to be something behind that and um, I think he makes a great grumpy Blackadder well I'm naturally grumpy to be fair <laughs> I think and uh, you know I quite like that his sort of rather sardonic humour which he has for the vast bulk of them he's the chap he doesn't always necessarily come out right on top he, you know he sometimes does end up things backfiring somewhat as it goes along, he seems to generally, so I think quite often in the Elizabethan one, he usually comes out sort of on top sometimes anyway, uh, he, or at times he does, uh, but he always has that air of, yes, sardonic humour and or slightly sneering. And I hope, I like to think I don't naturally sneer at people, but I do like sort of being sardonic and sarcastic and sort of, you know, playing playing people off sometimes. What I think must be really difficult is for the people like Mark Tiley, Chris Kane, who are playing multiple characters. And I think in a production like this, when there's so many going on and going off, there's some pretty quick costume changes. Getting your head into the right character at the right moment is a, such a skill. Um, and honestly, some Mark and Chris are just both brilliant. There's just some wonderful, wonderful moments in those comic characters, um, which I think will be really great to see. Yeah. And i tell you the other thing which is interesting as well, having done a, a few of these now, and I know Beth's done them as well, and, and again, Chris and Mark, I think, have been involved in most, if not all three of them, uh, is that whole thing about the TV versus the the play. And you don't realise, I think, sometimes, and I'm afraid I'm no great director at all, but you do realise it even from an acting point of view, and that sometimes you watch TV and you think, oh, fine, you don't really think about how TV works yeah, and how, it, how you yeah. get these snap scene changes sometimes. It's, it brings up these whole new challenges. And this is where a production of this nature is so much more than just the actors on stage. There is a whole crew, literally, behind the scenes who make it all happen. Charles Gard has composed some wonderful music segments which are we heard for the first time during the technical rehearsal on Tuesday just amazing isn't it and I think that's can be forgotten sometimes and you you just don't see literally it's it's that 
whole process going on that nobody in the audience ever gets to see no, or exactly. really ever gets to appreciate, but it could not happen without those You're people. dead right. It's a big teamwork, isn't it? Because it's all those people slaving away backstage, whether they are stage manager, the most nerve-wracking job. I couldn't do it in a month of Sundays. How people take on the SM is just beyond me. I just think that's it's stressful enough acting. The stage manager bit, no, forget it. I'm never going to do it. Far too stressful for me. You've got the prompt. I have done prompting. Really nerve-wracking because oh, yeah. it's so difficult because actors get annoyed if you prompt them when they don't want it and vice versa. Of course, if you don't prompt when they are looking for it, not always as obvious as it could be. You've got wonderful people like Jenny backstage who Lord knows how many shows I've done with Jenny who's done costumes and hair for... I bet she doesn't know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of shows over 30, 40 years. But not say more, I'll be giving her age away. <laughs> uh, but she's such a safe pair of hands there because she's always sort of calm under pressure and said, no, no, you want to have this and now. And she's there just to check everything out. Wonderful. And also props. There are a number of props in this production, ranging from everything from a Christmas pudding to a horse's willy. So, you know, it's all happening. And I still haven't mentioned the leather thong. I probably shouldn't mention it, actually, should I? Uh <laughs> Leave something to the imagination. Yeah, yeah. which is really. what it doesn't. No. <laughs> Spotlight, brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. You may remember that back in the summer, we spoke to the Isle of Man Free Thinkers Society, who had launched a competition inviting local composers and musicians to create music for their alternative remembrance service, which is taking place this Saturday evening at the Villa Marina. One of the prize winners was 10-year-old Frank Jockin from Peel. How long have you been playing the violin? Because to be as good as you are at 10 years old, you must have been doing this for quite some time. I think I've been doing it for about six years, so I started when I was four um, with a teacher um, from Wales. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course, because you you were born in Wales, were you? You grew up in Wales for a little bit before you came to Alaman. I only was with her for about, I don't know, two years I think because we moved here four years ago so I think it must have been about two years I was getting taught by the Welsh fiddle teacher yeah and did you have one of those tiny tiny little violins yeah I had the quarter size it is tiny um yeah it was very small me trying to play one now would be hard I think. I had to try on the Wenders Barbie fiddle <laughs> and it it was a bit too small, I think. Yeah. But the funny thing about the violin is like um not no discredit to piano players or anything, but you've got all the notes there, yeah. they're all there ready for you. Whereas with the violin you've got to you've got to learn how to make the notes for yeah. yourself. Can you remember whether yeah. like did you did you enjoy it when you started playing it or was it a little bit of a oh okay, I'll give this a go? Well, I I think I quite liked the idea of it and I I wanted to play an instrument. Um I I was getting a bit frustrated with it when I started, but now I've got to understand all of the notes a bit better and the names of which fingers go down in which strings and stuff. So I think it's not really that like frustrating with all the notes and stuff. It's just yeah, I think mm-hmm. I'm getting better at doing stuff like that as well. Well, well done you, because it all comes from hard work. Like, you know, people are, I think people can be born with music in them and you're from such a musical family that, you know, it's it's natural to think that that's where all of the, 
all of the wonderful playing comes from and that must be a big part of it but also a lot of it is just down to practice and hard work how many times um a week do you think you practice or do you practice every day and if so like how long do you play for well, I play for about 10 minutes every day on a weekday. I don't really play on the weekends except for maybe if I was playing a Kaylee with my granddad or something like that. But um, yeah, I practice pretty much every day for about 10 minutes. That's great. That's really good dedication. And it's just like little and often, little and often, it just keeps building up, doesn't it? And um and I mean, yeah, you mentioned the Kayleys, that's something else. Like you don't just do your lessons and do your grades and everything, which you're very good at. You you also perform in front of people and it's quite a regular thing. Like when we were in Lorion and your dad was doing a gig with David Kilgallen, he was like, oh, I've got some special guests to invite to the stage. And I couldn't believe when you got up there and played all of the tunes that he was playing on his accordion and David was playing on his fiddle and he had the keys out and everything. How does it feel when you get to go on the stage and perform with your granddad or your dad or perform while your mum's dancing and things like that she she plays the fiddle as well doesn't she um yeah she does a little bit she's actually got Sophia Morrison's fiddle so she didn't play it for a long time because it was on exhibition but um she does know how to play it yeah (laughs) um when you were saying about playing with my dad I think it's pretty cool to be playing with my dad even if you know he plays with a different band it just feels amazing to yeah. do gigs with my dad, yeah. What grade are you on now? Well, actually, at the moment, I just started working on my grade five. The way my fiddle teachers set it out, it's basically I did a gr- grade one and then we waited for, like, two months maybe and did some folk and trad and stuff so I could get better at that. Um, and obviously, Skellenjerg helped with that a lot. Um and then we just carried on doing it about every two months, like we started a new one. So, Gosh. yeah. So, so you've gone through your grades pretty pretty quickly then. Um. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I think I prefer doing that than just doing one like once a year because that mm. it'll take a long time to get through them all. I'd be like. And I think I just get a bit bored of the same thing. Like I like to have a challenge. Like from now, I'm not I'm not allowed to listen to the pieces. I have to sight read them, which is a good challenge because I'm not that good at sight reading that much because I don't really do it because I'm more used to playing folk than classical. But it it's a good challenge doing the grades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think um, with folk music, do you think you learn a lot by ear? Do you sort of pick bits and pieces up? Well, yeah, I um, hear a lot at the Manx festivals and stuff. Like, I hear people playing them a lot, and then I pick them up um, in my head and stuff. And, yeah, but most loads of the tunes that I've learned are from Katie. Like, when I've been going to her lessons, she's been playing them bit by bit, and then I've just been, like, copying, and then we just put them all together. Um, yeah. For grade five, you got to sit quite a big theory exam as well. How are you finding that? Well, I don't really <laughs> like the idea of theory, but, well, I've got this book on theory and I can fill it in, all the gaps and stuff, so it makes it easier. And I can work about, I'm working on how to figure out the keys of music and, like, how many sharps and flats and stuff like that, because... 
you know, the theory, it's quite, it's hard. Yeah. yeah. Telling me. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, no mean feat, my friend. You're doing really, really well on that. Um, do you think that maybe, like, going to the festivals and going to the concerts and the Kayleys and everything and playing with Skellen Jig is where you kind of soak up all the folk music and what maybe like something that sort of helps you inspire you when you're writing your own music because when I heard your piece um if I hadn't seen you on the video I wouldn't have known that it was you playing or anything um it's quite amazing that you wrote something it's beautiful I mean I could never have even considered trying to write a piece of music when I was 10 um so like well done to you but where where do you think the ideas came from is it just through soaking up music and you sort of have a little play around or something or do you um I don't know have a have a different way of approaching it well I mainly write all my tunes when I'm bored (laughs) when I I usually just go to my room and have a little mess around like I play to my dad's cds like with the band and like to the cd tracks um and then i just pick up little bits that i can add and then i just put it all together and my like my dad lets me go on his computer and like write it on sibelius and stuff like that so it's i can remember so i i quite enjoy it 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 gives me something to do when i'm bored and maybe it can be handy for the future Absolutely. I mean, what a productive way to spend your time when you're bored. So, so you're kind of like jamming along with your, with your dad's CDs and sort of adding your own little melodies to it. Well, yeah, well, my dad, me and my dad do sometimes when the girls are out, like my little sister and my mum, we have a little play together and sometimes, like a few weeks ago, I did we did a thing, I learnt some new Swedish tunes from Katie and I... My dad wanted to learn them, so I taught him something, and then he taught me a Mab on set. <laughs> and yeah, it just that's how we do things sometimes. Like, I teach him a tune, and then he teaches me a tune, and then we just have a little play together upstairs. tune that you can't help speeding up because that's what I do a lot by accident and I speed up and one one day when I was playing it my dad had no idea what it was and it was like slow down (laughs) you're like a runaway train so I called it a runaway train the runaway train because that's a train goes very fast obviously um and if you'd imagine it going out of control it would just be going very fast and that's what the kind of tune it is Mm -hmm. so but I'm not really sure about the other one's name how do you feel when you're playing your music well when I'm playing with Skid and Jerg I I quite enjoy watching people 
dance to the music that we're making and I get a lot from Dave um, like the little ornaments that he does are amazing he's he's a really good fiddle player and I get um, some of my things from him like little maybe like harmonies and stuff like that are from Dave mm -hmm. Lovely. Um, is there anything that I didn't ask that you want to be able to say at all? When you, you've come up with an idea, you, you put it straight into Sibelius. Is that how you recorded the piece that you, you wrote for the, the Freethinkers event? Well, I recorded the tune first because I was bound to forget it. <laughs> um, I've already forgotten loads of them because... Well, not loads, but you know. Yeah, um, yeah I'm, but I record it on my phone first and then I leave it for a tiny bit and then... When I come back to it, and I'm like, oh, I'm usually like, oh yeah, what about that tune? And then I write it down on Sibelius on my dad's computer and print it out, and mm. put it up in my room and yeah. play off it because I probably forgotten it. <laughs> <laughs> So there we heard Runaway Train and we also heard The Untitled Melody, both by Frank Jockin. Another finalist in the competition was Martin Kane with this very atmospheric piece of music.
The Isle of Man Free Thinkers Society's Remembrance Service takes place this Saturday at half past seven in the Villa Marina. And that's all we have time for this week. But just a quick one before we go. Work from the Sovereign Art Foundation Student Art Prize is still on display at Kensington Road Youth Arts Centre. So do drop in and give them your vote. I'll be back next Wednesday at six o'clock. Until then, have a lovely creative week. Sun you.